Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of July 25th, 2022. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. Also on radio this week, again on 104.7 FM, 1340 AM, The Ticket in Petoskey, Charlevoix, Boyne City, 93.7 FM, The Ticket in Cadillac and Traverse City. You can catch up on all our previous episodes anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or theticketnorthernmichigan.com. Nice of the Tigers, Hunter, to uh, just yield Wednesday nights to us. My uh, my thanks to the Illich family for... uh, for giving us this hot streak of being on radio Wednesday Wednesday nights, we have not had many scheduling conflicts lately. So, uh, uh, and we appreciate that to the point um, where I think it might be on purpose. Could be, could be. Like. Yeah, I know they're hearing about the groundswell, uh, you know, of support behind the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, and they certainly don't want to stand in the way of a of a new media and podcasting giant that they that they share a home state with. Yeah, well, I, I definitely could see that being a possibility. Uh, in this week's episode, the PGA Tour is in the state of Michigan. We'll take a look at the at Detroit Golf Club and make our picks for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Take you around the tours and get you some results as well from the Adaptive Open that we talked about last week where we did have a champion from the state of Michigan, so that's very exciting. And the local look, Updates from the Michigan Girls Junior Amateur at Forest Acres West, as well as results from the GAM Super Senior Championship, uh, sixth GAM 14 and under match play championship, and scores from the first round of the PGA Tournament of Champions going on now over at Boyne Mountain Resort. Not to mention one of the hosts of this podcast happened to come through at the Cook Cup member guest at Petoskey Bayview Country Club. So we will celebrate Hunter at some point during this podcast. And, and really, we'll be celebrating Mitch because I, I think he he very much carried the water for your team, Hunter. No offense. But first, what an absolute mess of a golf tournament Sunday at the 3M Open at TPC Twin Cities. Eventually won by the only person who did not completely implode. Shockingly, that person was Tony Finau, a known imploder. Infamous for his many implosions in the past 10 second places this guy has on PGA Tour. But he inks his third PGA Tour victory at the 3M Open simply by watching everyone around him completely melt. Hunter, your takeaways from TPC Twin Cities, we said it was going to be penal, and boy, did the final groups on Sunday find the trouble. Uh, it was awfully penal. Uh, I see a, I saw a record of 303 golf balls in the water most. I believe that is the most, this season at least, uh, 303 balls. So so it kind of, I mean, it played the way that we 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 thought it was going to play from a sense that if you don't hit it straight, you're going to find a lot of water. And I tell you what, poor Scott Piercy, poor Scott Piercy. He wasn't playing that bad, but I just had to look it up. Over his last 11 holes, he was seven. It's going to take a minute to count it up. Seven over par 
This man was 20 under for the tournament through eight holes. I believe at that time he's ahead by four. Through seven. So he, he bogeyed eight and nine. So I'm not sure if you quite. Uh, yeah, he bogeyed eight and nine. And then obviously. Through but, seven. Sorry. Yes, sorry. Okay. My apologies. He was two under through seven, right? He was two under through seven. Yeah. For his final round and mm-hmm. 20 under par total. That would check Did out. Did he top five? He did top five. Did he even? T- okay. He top fourd. So I, I, he's got to be at least inside the top 125 now because I think he was like 136 or 138. He was projected to move into the 40s. He was ahead by four strokes. Over the guy in his group, neither one of them won the tournament. So the water and the pressure just reached up and grabbed them, and it was... Man, I don't know if I I need to see anything like that ever again because I, I it was excru- an excruciating watch. I mean, as a gambler, you don't you know you know, when the betting favorite wins, you're like, eh, you know that's gonna happen once in a while, and you're probably never gonna bet the betting favorite in a golf tournament. You know when they're especially when it's Tony Finau at eleven to one. So like in that sense, it wasn't a big deal. But gosh, it was just like painful to even watch that on on Sunday. Uh, on number 14, when he made that triple, was he buried in the bunker on his first fairway shot? Yes. Okay. Yes. That makes that me feel... That three wood that he just blocked went burrowed down like a small animal in the bunker. Okay. And then he couldn't even get it out of the bunker. Then he fatted it into the water. Then he spun it back off the grim. Then he almost chipped it in for six. <sighs> That uh, I guess that would be his third shot, the fairway bunker shot from 165 yards, whatever it was. Not a good golf swing. <laughs> didn't get, didn't echo more than 100. I think 100, maybe I think, 120. I think the club was like a a foot away from hitting the golf ball when he said "get right." He said he said it so fast. <laughs> he knew he messed uh, up. And that was just the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't get better after that, and then like it was like Grillo saw that, and he started melting too. And he really started melting towards the tail end of the front nine, too. I wasn't watching at this point, but I heard he had a fight with his bag when he made a triple of his own on the front, also after a pretty solid start to the round. So they were controlling their nerves early on, but the boy, they didn't they didn't keep it together. And Tony Finau, of all people, was there to, to pick up the pieces. Good for Tony. Trophy. Good for Tony. Are we happy for Tony? I mean, I'm, 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 I could, I could not be more indifferent about Tony Fina winning the 3M Open. Could not be more. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really, I mean, this. I is, did text you at one point. I was like, "Is this what it's like watching the Live Tour?" No, the, the Live's better than that. Except the, for the, the broad, except for the broadcast being worse, the live, and that the Live Tour would never ever go to a course like TPC Twin Cities. <laughs> Because that is the least player friendly course I've ever seen. And then the wind, when the wind was up, the wind was really up on Sunday. I mean, at one point, the lead was minus 17. And if you were minus nine, you were in the top 10. The scoring was so spread out based on the way that the golf course played and the, the weakness of the field, I guess I would say, like Tony Finau clearly showed that he was, you know, he was the deserving betting favorite by 
you know, handling the conditions and the pressure, but just really that, that golf course just creates some weird scenarios. And it's like, it was like, well, it's, it's like a, you know, the proverbial three-legged dog of a golf tournament. It's like, this is terrible and sad, but I can't look away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the PGA's best showing. And I think this, if there's something to take away from this for next year is that this is the, I think this is the second time this has happened where a really weak field is, is starred by, or is headlined by like one player this week. It was Tony Finau. He won. And I think this happened again earlier this year where it was a really weak field, but there was like one or two good players. And one of those players won. Are we just, are we overthinking it too much? I mean, t- Tony, yeah, Tony I, looked like, <laughs> like he's had his, his record over the last like six starts. He's been playing phenomenal golf. I just don't know. Like, I don't know how that didn't just come up and smack us in the side of the head. Like, like we should be, we should be back. Are you Tony really going to bet Tony Finau? Well, no, not me, not I mean, me. how much were you going to wager? I mean, that's, it's just like a, the, the lesson might be take the week off, not <laughs> well, bet the betting favorite because I mean, he was still, he was so many, he was so far behind. It required a, just a bizarre sequence of events for him to end up as the champion. And he hit it in the water on 18 too. <laughs> like he tried to muck it up. Everybody was making fun of Cam Champ last year for hitting it dead left. Literally like, I'll just hit it in those trees. He said with my driver. I'll chip it out. Then I'll hit it on the green. I'll make five. Like Finau, like he showed why that was a good strategy on the part of Cam Champ because he instead tried to thread it between the trees and the water and splashed it. So like he wasn't even real solid coming down the stretch. It's just that the guys he was competing against were going down their leg. <laughs> how about how about seven? Oh, did you see seventeen where he must have airmailed the green by oh twenty five yards and it hit that it hit the structure and that thing should have went in the water. Ah, uh, that was so lucky. <laughs> so lucky. like if that goes in the water, eighteen he hits this D ball in the water. Let's say he makes double on eighteen, so he goes double double to finish. Little three-way. Would, he, play, would that have been playoff? a playoff? Playoff. Thing? It would have been a four-way <laughs> playoff between uh, Sung Jay, Emilio, Emiliano, and uh, Sung Jay had an eagle putt on eighteen. Like he makes. They didn't show him hit one golf shot on Sunday that I saw. And then I'm thinking, if he pours in this three on eighteen, and Tony makes a mess of these last couple holes. He is going to win, and they will have a champion of the 3M Open who they did not show on television during the entire broadcast. That's how bizarre the tournament was. Now, that didn't happen, but it was close. Oh, yeah. It was. And I think, uh, where did Grayson Sig end up? Because I texted you. Top 10. I think he tied for 7th. T7th. boy. Good playing by Grayson. Yeah. He's playing good. I've already bet him for the racket. They're giving out hundy to one on him. Holy moly. I'll take it. They're giving out hundy to ones on your boy Chris Gutter up too. That's probably been bet down by now, but we I think we were on him at fifty last week or sixty five or something. Yeah, me being me, he played fine. Yeah, I don't know if I like that number that 
is this just gonna be a it's a birdie i know was that john deere that he played well that was john deere wasn't it Deer, I think he played well. Barbasol, he tanked. Yes. Okay. I don't know if he can make enough birdies to play well at Detroit Golf Club. Even though that's similar, it's very similar. I don't know. It's not comped to um, the John Deere, but I just don't know how good his wedge game is. But yeah, I, but no, I, that is that is. You're right on the money. It's drivers and wedges this week. But I do love racket. Grayson. Ever since I watched that YouTube video with him and. Keith Mitchell, Grayson hits it so straight. It's ridiculous. Just oh, I've had the pleasure of playing 18 holes with Grayson Sig, and he's, he's it's like he's a robot. Your ball probably moved more. Your ball probably moved more on the first hole than his ball moved all 18 holes combined. Yes, yes. He <laughs> literally hits it dead straight with every club in his bag. I was watching the, that YouTube video. I go, whoa. It doesn't, doesn't move off his line. Okay, he shot a 58. On the seaside course at Sea Island, I've I the first time I played the front nine there, I shot fifty eight, and then I went and had lunch. <laughs> so okay. like when he's going good, it's for him. It's just a question of making putts and avoiding. Like I saw him, he hit a couple squirrely shots on Sunday that he got away with, but mm-hmm. for the most part, the guy is an he's like a Charles Howell type almost. Like he just you're like, how's this guy ever miss a shot? Yeah, his swing is so good and so simple, and it's just very. He repeats it, boom, 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 boom. Um, congratulations on your Cook Cup victory. Well, thank you, thank you. It was uh, that was so much fun. I mean, just uh, because we've never played. Every single round that we finished, we looked at each other and we go, "Well, that was about five shots better than we've ever done." Each like <laughs> each round. <laughs> So, and even, even started with the practice round, like we've never even, we've probably never shot anything close to 70 in the practice round. So to go shoot 65, I knew Mitch was playing. Mitch is a really good putter. Like he'll make those five footers all day long and he did it all week long, which was huge. And he kept his driver in play. Like he'll, Mm -hmm. he'll do this thing where he'll swing hard and it will go so far right. Like on a rope though, like he hits it like it's it goes so far that it's almost a bad thing how far it goes because it's so far offline that it just keeps going. But he didn't do that at all this weekend. He really kept the ball in front of him. Um, we go as we really go as he goes because if he's I mean he's playing to a six, so if he makes his pars when he needs to, and I didn't play bad by any means. Like I just I made I probably only missed like one or two putts on the weekend that I felt like I really should have made. Um. I'm just I'm supposed to just make a lot of pars and let Mitch kind of do his thing. Um but no you guys ham and ham and egged it really nicely. It started in the practice run. Mitch took forty bucks off me, which I'm still sour about. <laughs> Son of a gun. And I knew we were in a little bit of trouble. It's because when Mitch plays like that, you guys are really hard to beat. And he kept together together all the way through. And you're right, those short he was so solid over those short putts all all the way through the final hole of the shootout when he knocked that one in to clinch the victory and gave it a nice little left-handed fist pump into the hole. That was pretty, that was a great, a great moment. So congratulations. Well-deserved. Yeah, no, it was fun. I think that's uh, I've always said you like, you need to play a few years to ever have, cause that was what your third year playing with Tad when you guys made it to the shootout or second year. I, I think second. Like, I don't think you could ever, it's so rare for a team to ever make the shootout in the first 
so I kind of felt like we were, and I've, I've been playing good golf this summer and Mitch has been playing more golf than what he typically plays leading up to this. So we'll see. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think like we played, like, I think we could go do what we did this year, next year. It just kind of depends on, like, I feel like you guys left a couple out there. I know Kai's, Kai's group definitely left a couple out there when we played. Um, and then Jim, Jim and his partner easily could have beat us on Sunday on Saturday in the last round. So it's a great, it was, it was a great flight, great week. So, yeah. and, uh, thanks to Brian and his team at Bayview. It's really a great event. And Matt obviously hit it out of the park with the, the food all week. I mean, I think the guests just rave about the food at Bayview. Oh yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's really special. Matt, yeah. like he does, he yeah. does a fantastic job. All of his, all of his crew is really good. So, no, it was a, it was a fun weekend, and I'm glad to be victorious. Yeah, and yeah, then we, we played, and then congratulations, well deserved. And I had to wake up Sunday morning and play club championship. Did you play match. that club championship match? Yes. I wondered if you were going to actually do that. You sicko! Tell yeah. me you won that match. I, I won in fifteen. Thank God. Okay, yeah, that was that's a lot of that's a lot of golf. <laughs> It wasn't even like it's not. I play that much golf. It was more just like that type of golf. Yeah, like, yeah. No, it's a lot of com- competitive rounds. Yeah. Well, make sure you post your scores there, big guy. Oh, I post all my scores. Um. All right. Well, congratulations. Now take us through got some congratulations due to some other Michiganders because a lot of updates uh, from around the state in terms of what's been going on with GAM and some other things. And of course, we had a a. Michigan champion of the adaptive open, which we talked about last week. So in whatever order you want, Hunter, take us through some of those events. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go and get started with the girls junior amateur at uh, forest acres West uh, defending champion is uh, Laura Timpf um, from Macomb. Uh, we've mentioned her name a couple of times. She's uh, a heck of a player. She was the, ended up being the youngest winner age 14 last year. So she is once again playing in the overall division she uh through we are through one round they started yesterday um monday july 25th uh she is currently in a t20th top 16 make it out of uh stroke play after two rounds so she's got a little bit of work to do uh they um what would that be the second play or the runner-up uh, no not the runner-up sophie stevens who was the medalist last year is also leading the field by three this year. She's at three under. She's from Highland. Uh, she's beating Bridget Boxcar uh, by three shots. She shot 69 in the first round, 72 by Bridget. So we will keep you updated on how how that all turns out uh, next week as they, they get into the second round of stroke play as well as the match play portion of the event. Uh, Forest Acres West is tough. That's a good golf course. Yeah, it's, it really cra- it's crazy how, how good the West course is and how bad the East course is. I played the East course in a state finals in the hail. And you probably still shot a really good number. I didn't. I didn't. But I did birdie the last two of the last three to break 80. Because I was just like, I am not posting something in the 80s on this golf course. Isn't that, uh, I think that's where freshman year, uh, Joey, I don't know what he shot the first round, but he ended up shooting like or 66 the second round, I think. Yeah, he did. And to, that was, he was like, one under or something when he made the turn and i watched that back nine that was dizzying i was like saying to tad is he gonna birdie every hole in the back? 
but it'll give it to you. Yeah, I mean it, it's you know, a it's a nice setup. You can make setup. a ton of birdies out there if you're making putts. Yeah, that's a nice setup for a for a university course to have one that's maybe a little bit more challenging, a good hard test of golf, and then one that's maybe a little bit more straight in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to the um, the Super Senior Championship for uh, for Gam, we'll start with the the super senior division, which is ages 65 plus that was won by uh, Mike Raymond of Jackson with a score of two under par. Uh, and second place was Randy Lewis shooting one under par, uh, 72, 71. And then in the legends division, which is, uh, ages 70 plus Mike, uh, Fadua of Canton won with a score of plus 10, 79, 75, uh, beating Jerry Heiss in a playoff also from Canton, uh, he also shot plus 10 in a playoff. Moving on to the sixth GAM 14 under match play championship. Uh, Baron Vollmer, he is from Williamsburg. He's going to be a, a freshman at Traverse City Central next year, or this fall rather. Uh, he won the boys division, and Kelsey Preston uh, from Grand Rapids won the girls division. This was played at Woodside Golf Course, which I, Peter, am not familiar with. Even Nor in, am I, but I'm not surprised slice. to hear about somebody winning a statewide GAM championship that's headed to Traverse City Central because there have been a lot of sticks over the years that have played golf at TC Central. So it sounds like he's the next in line there to carry that uh, carry that torch. Which is kind of funny because when I was in school from 2008 to 2012, West was West was way better than Central. Interesting. West was never bad when we were there, but uh, shout out to Bob Lobert, who was a great coach, and they really got some good players there at Central. And, of course, they had uh, Randy Hutchinson, who went to Michigan State, and uh, Billy Rankin went to Michigan, and, um, you know, a lot, a lot of guys who went on to play competitively in college, and Randy in particular was really a great player. And then finally, uh, some good golf, some good high school golf played up in our neck of the woods. For oh sure. yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see these these scoring averages are are just plummeting from what they were even ten years ago. I mean, these kids are just getting are very good at a very young age. Yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if we had all this this track man stuff these kids have these days? That would have made me worse, not better, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, that's funny you say that. So I, I told uh, I told my buddies on like Monday of last week, I go, if I if Mitch and I win the cook cup, I'm gonna buy this bag. And I sent them you ever heard of one of those McKenzie bags? No. So it's it's a leather, it's like a full leather bag. They're so expensive. It was almost kind of a joke because I didn't think we were gonna win. It's a thousand dollar bag. And it's full. Did you not need that, Hunter? No, I know. So I'm not gonna get it because you can't ride. You're gonna get a track, man. <laughs> you can't ride with it in a cart because the leather rubs on the on the cart strap. Yada yada yada. And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing that. So then my buddy goes, get a get it a launch monitor. Do you know how my brain would be spinning so oh. much if I had a launch monitor? Oh, and you would, don't, would, I don't, yeah, I don't think you want a launch six monitor. Times, six you, times worse for golfer. You have a unique move at it, so I don't think you need to be. You just need to be watching your ball through the air. You don't need to be looking at numbers on a screen. No. 
No, I think that, and that's why there is such a thing as too much analysis of the golf swing. There is a lot to be said for see ball, hit ball. Oh yeah. There's, <laughs> yes. Yes. And usually trust your instincts, especially if you've played golf for a long time, you, your body knows how to hit the ball. Your mind will screw it up. Exactly. And I have found that to be the case darn near every time I play golf. All right. Finally, as uh, Peter mentioned, when we first started the local look, uh, Kim Moore was uh, the champion of the inaugural U.S. Adaptive Open. She fired an 80 in the first round uh, and a 76 in the second round. Uh, she is the Western Michigan uh, girls golf coach. Um, really, really good player. She played at uh, Indiana University, All-American Indiana, or not Indiana University, Indianapolis University. Um has awards named after her, so it's it's cool to see uh, her play well in this inaugural event. So, uh, congratulations to Kim. And then, uh, Peter, you want to fill us in on the Corn Ferry uh, tour? I know Joey Joey played uh, some decent golf. Who? Uh, yeah, we're getting to we're getting to the tail end here of the of the season. They actually had the week off this week, and then I believe it's two more. Um two more events before they get into the finals. So these guys are really uh, reminder top 75 on the corn Ferry tour, make it to the, uh, make it to the corn Ferry tour finals. And they'll be joined by the guys outside of the top 125 on the PGA tour. This is also the last year based on the changes the tour has made within the season this year, that this will be the format. So really an important month and a half or so, um for these guys um yeah joey had a decent week and boy did these guys go low so david coker ended up winning. i think it's coker sorry Uh, they went solo i was i was (laughs) 28 under par is ridiculous so fifth player in corn ferry tour history to finish an event at 28 under par or better um really some remarkable golf you have to go so low to win on some of these courses on the corn Ferry tour. And I think we're going to see that again when they head out to Utah here in a couple of weeks, which is <clears throat> known to yield a lot of birdies and certainly can favor some of the bombers due to the, uh, not only is there a little bit of elevation there, but the, it's also a firm and fast golf course. So congratulations to David and uh, to all the guys who are improving their their uh, status in terms of where they rank on the season long points list as they vie to either get into the top 25 or into the top 75 to ensure a spot in the playoffs where of course they have um, three more events to um, three more events to get into the top 25 there and ink a tour card that way. So 25 for the full season, 25 for the playoffs, before next year, we switched to just 30 total. So I, I believe one of the guys who inked his way this this week was Robbie Shelton, who uh, another one of those Alabama golfers. I believe he may, he may have played with Trey and, and Justin Thomas, or, or maybe it was a couple years behind them, but um, uh, a really talented player and uh, a guy who's back on the PGA Tour after having been on the tour once before. So... Do you know, Peter? Do they do they just set up these corn ferry events easier, or are they just easier golf courses? 
I think it's mostly the golf courses. Okay. Um, I don't know for sure, but a couple of the a couple of the corn fairy venues I've been to are just, you know, the courses are. Just, it's just a you got to make birdies because they're just not difficult. Um, but that changes a little bit. There are some exceptions to that. And certainly Victoria national is one of those in Evansville, Indiana, where they wrap up the season where it's, uh, I think that's an old quarry or some kind of mine or something. And it's just water everywhere and windy. And so, um, but yeah, for the most part, I think the golf courses are just, you know, they're just easy for these guys. A lot of putting contests. Yeah. Not something that John Ron would be a huge fan of. Well, that's what, like, you almost wonder if, like, some of these, because I feel like there's either players that make a lot of birdies or they're player and they, they do well on easy golf courses, or there's players that, like, you put them on a very, very hard golf course, like a Patrick Reed guy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how Patrick Reed does in events like this. Like, when you have to go shoot 28 under par, because it almost seems like if they, if there's some, corn fairy players that would benefit from playing on oh i'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of guys on that tour who wish they got some more difficult setups oh yeah yeah 100%. because they feel like i can i can guard against you know i'm a better bogey avoidance player than i am a, a birdie or better player yeah. and uh you know that's why you see some guys even on the pga tour when it's a birdie fest i mean just like john rom you know griping about Palm Springs being a putting contest. I still don't understand how he didn't know that before he signed up to play in that. But, you know, there, there are definitely setups that favor the ball strikers and setups that favor the, the putters and the short game players. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of guys on that tour who think, gosh, I just wish I could play some events where the winning score was minus 12 because I feel like I could do much better in a format like that based on the way my game sets up for a track like that. But there's a little bit of balance on the tour. I, I, I certainly wish there was a little bit more because minus 28 is not the kind of golf that they're going to be playing when they graduate to the PGA tour. If you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. that it's, and that's, that means that's that that's my, that skill set doesn't translate, but you know, having it be a little more reflective of the bigger tour might be wise on the part of the of the corn fairy, but I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it in terms of finding those venues and things like that. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. And then uh, let's quickly recap the uh, Evian Championship for the ladies. Uh, they were playing over in France. Uh, Brooke Henderson had a tough Sunday, but she came through victorious, making about a it looked like about an eight footer on. Um, on 18 with the flag stick in i would have to imagine maybe the first ever champion with the flag stick in in a major could be could be because matt matt, be. matt took his out when he putted his in didn't he from like, i think he did from like six inches whatever it was i think he did i think he did yeah uh so congratulations to brooke obviously she she's been on the tour now for a long time and it's it's kind of funny to see that i, I think it was the fried egg did did one of those blind resume things between her and Nellie Corda, and Brooke is only like eleven months older than Nellie, ten months older than Nellie, has same amount of major wins, and I want to say about the same amount of um, LPJ Tour wins. So it's just kind of funny to see like these these players come on the tour at such a young age, and then they may struggle for a little bit, but she's still only she's twenty four years old. 
Yeah, especially on the ladies tour, it feels like they're getting out there so young. I mean, obviously, Lexi, Lydia Ko, I mean, there's <clears throat> many examples of of that. But yeah, happy happy for Brooke. Did I see that she switched to a cross-handed grip sometime during the week because she was struggling so much with her putting? Yeah, I think I think what happened is that she, she got word that you were doing that, the cook cup, every other hole, and she goes... Well, if Peter's doing it, then like that's gotta be something that works. I will tell you one thing, not that I not that I only think about myself, but between hearing that story and watching the golf at the three M open, I was like, I do feel a little bit better about myself now. <laughs> like I don't even think I would have done what Scott Piercy did. I mean, I might melt, but that was like an all timer. And then I heard somebody was switching their grip in the middle of the week and winning a golf tournament. I was like, awesome. So I can go claw, cross-handed, right-handed, left-handed. I mean, let's do it all. Whatever gets the ball in the hole. Yeah, I think it's just it's just proof that if you play well the first three rounds, you don't necessarily have to play the best on on Sunday. In Brooke's case, in Scott's case, you got to play a little bit better to win. But Brooke, well, and it's also also just like there is something to be said for what you like, what you feel. I, I I know you consistency is important, but like don't force yourself to putt or whatever any certain kind of way because just for the simple sake of consistency like if you go out on the putting green you grip across hand and you start making it it probably means you're stroking it better or you've again you've gone back to relying more on your instincts and your athleticism and less on your mind to tell you how to hit a golf ball which is always good well Shall we talk about the or did you do tournament of champions? Oh, I did not do tournament of champions. Yeah, quickly. Let's talk about the tournament of champions. So this is the uh the event out at Boyne Mountain. Uh 18 holes at the Alpine, 18 holes at the Monument, and then the final 36, the top 36 make the cut. We'll play uh the final round on the Alpine tomorrow, Wednesday, July 27th. Currently through about it looks like about a round and a half, roughly. So they, they played yesterday, and then it looks like they were halfway through today. Uh, Brett White from Caledonia is absolutely tearing the golf course up. He's 13 under par. He shot 65 um, on the Alpine yesterday. He's currently 6 under par on the Monument through 9 holes today. Uh, so uh, pretty darn good golf. Bradley Smithson, uh, Michigan State player is in second place at only 600 par. He shot a 66 yesterday on the Alpine, but currently only even par through seven holes on the um, the Monument today. Uh, some other local names that we know: Scott Herbert from uh, or Hebert from Traverse City is in f- uh, fourth place with a minus four. And then from there, another he's a really good player, a very very good player. Uh, another name that we um, at least I'm familiar with. I used to play golf with him. Is Cole Ketterer? Uh, he's from Harbor Springs. He is one under par. He shot 71 in the first round. Still waiting to tee off in the second round. So we will give you some scores uh, next week when they are all all wrapped up here tomorrow. And then we might as well mention while I'm thinking about it. Uh, Darren Clark won the uh, the Senior Open. I believe that's only the second player to ever win the Open and the Senior Open. So congratulations to Darren. Good for him. Yeah. He's always been a good player. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Rocket Mortgage Classic, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. The PGA Tour's only stop in our beloved state of Michigan. 
happens to be a Detroit golf club, which I'm not sure everyone would choose if we were going to have one event in the state of Michigan that they would choose that as the venue. However, that's the way that it is. Hunter, have you been to the Detroit Golf Club? I have not. What is that noise playing in the background? Do you hear that? Yeah, that was my phone ringing. <laughs> okay. I was like, what the heck? I am not. But it's, it's finished ringing now, so we can we can move on. I thought I was losing it, Peter. Um, well, I hope that's what it was, because if it wasn't, didn't sound like a phone vibrating, then you may be. Um, Detroit Golf Club. Okay, so this is like just north of downtown Detroit. It's like between Royal Oak and Hamtramck. It's a, it's a short trip from downtown, so most of the players will stay downtown. It is not in a particularly nice area of Detroit. So if you're headed to the golf tournament, you will certainly notice that on your way into the gates. It's an old 1899 Donald Ross. So we're talking original Donald Ross. They did update it uh, in 2019 in preparation for the Rocket Mortgage coming to this venue. Like the 3M Open last week, this is just our fourth edition of this event. So we have some course history, but not a ton. Um, I have not played this golf course, but I have walked it. It's a par 72, 7,300 yards, your standard allotment of four par threes and four par fives. Par 72, 7,300, flat golf course. It is short, 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 short. Um, And there are four par fours, I believe, that are less than 400 yards. So um, it is tree-lined in the sense that it looks like kind of a traditional country club setup, but it's not really tight. And that's evidenced by the fact that this golf course generates one of the longest driving averages on tour. I believe it's 294 yards or something like that. And what does that mean? Players are not afraid to hit their drivers at worst. You're going to be under a tall Oak or whatever with a fairly clean look towards the green. Um, there is OB bordering the property, but I've, I've never seen anyone find it. So definitely one of the easier, uh, courses on tour. We were joking about how the 3M generates a 73% green and regulation percentage, which is very high. Well, um, the rocket mortgage and, and this Detroit golf club actually beats that at 74% green and regulation. So, um, a lot of drivers, a lot of wedges, um, but certainly a number of ways to get it done. And like you saw at the 3M open board, it was a bomber and, and certainly driving distance is always an advantage who prevailed, but there were a variety of, um, player types in contention there, you know, Scott Piercy certainly, and he, does, he hits it good, but he's definitely not what you would consider a bomber. Same with Emiliano Grillo. So all, all kinds of players, can get it done here. Um, three of the par fives are reachable for most of the field. The sixth hole is a bit longer and a, and a, a bit trickier, kind of a late dog legging uh, par five. So that one won't be reachable for everyone in the field. And then even for the really long players, it will require a really good drive up the right hand side of that fairway. Uh, and then 15 is the par five that does have 
water in play on the second. So you need a good drive there if you do want to reach the green. And two, if you're in the rough, most players will lay up there. But par five scoring, I do think, will be uh, an important ingredient uh, here, whether you get it done by driving or getting on the green and two and two putting or by, again, being good with your wedges and your short irons. Um, Like the 3M Open, winning scores have been going down here since the first edition. I don't know if that's because of the field strength. I don't think it necessarily is because if you remember the second year here when Bryson beat Matt Wolf by three, that was a decent field because that was the COVID year when everyone was kind of playing everything because they had all been off for a while. So uh, in 2019, the first one, Lashley beat Doc Redman. Uh, 2020, like I mentioned, Bryson beat Matthew Wolf by three strokes. Uh, Bryson still very good. Uh, Cam- and then last year, Cameron Davis um, outlasted Troy Merritt and Joaquin Neiman. Uh, and from a, on the gambling side, two out of the three winners – uh, have been over a hundred to one. I think Lash, some people, Lashley was as high as 250 to one when he won in, uh, 2019. He is a shorter hitter. Um, and last year, Cam Davis was, you know, I think as high as 160 to one, obviously his numbers have come down from there. He's one of these players who was under the radar because of his youth. Um, but is commonly accepted as a, as a pretty solid, player and kind of the among the next generation of, of really strong Australian players who are now on the tour. And he's been playing quite well lately, uh, played pretty solid again last week at 3M Open. So I think he'll garner a fair amount of attention this week. Field notes, definitely better than the 3M Open, uh, which is good to see. I'm happy for the people of Detroit and of, and of Michigan that they will be able to see at least a few premium players this week. Um, Field is headlined by Patrick Cantlay, Will Zalatoris, and last week's winner, Tony Finau. Michiganders Brian Stewart and Ryan Brem are both in the field this week, as well as our guy Ben Cook and uh, Brandon Matthews back in the field this week on a sponsor's exemption up from the Corn Ferry. Uh, For key stats, I'm looking at off the tee. Opportunities gained. Um... Short irons and wedges like we talked about and par five scoring like we talked about uh, on the betting board. Cantlay is the favorite at eight to one. Zalatoris, 12 to one. Finau and Homa are 14 to one. Cameron Young, I imagine, be very popular coming off his second place finish at the Open Championship is 18 to one. Maverick McNeely had a decent week in Minnesota, 25 to one. And Adam Scott. 28 to one. Those that is the full list of players under 30 to one on the DraftKings Sportsbook. sports um, Hunter, any, any strong leans out of the gate in terms of who you think might play well here? I know we talked about Grayson Sig right at the top coming off a good weekend at the three M open at hundred to one, but any players that you're really uh, feel strongly about this week? Uh, there's a few stats that I see that I feel like you mentioned. It's not super tight, um, and it's not super long, so that makes me think that um, strokes game approach becomes super important. So, and then even proximity to uh, proximity within 150 yards. A name that keeps popping up that I see a ton of is Russell Henley uh, and Chris Kirk. Um, 
So those are two names I'm looking at, but I, I think I have to bet Kevin Kisner. He's the only person that's had at least uh, two top tens here. I believe he's made the cut all three years he's played. Another guy that you, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet. We've been talking about it for seven minutes now. Adam Shank is one of the few players that's made the cut all three years he's played in this event. So that is simply amazing, Hunter, because all those players that you just mentioned, I believe will be making some, have some sort of presence on my betting card this week, whether it's outrights or top twenties. Um, I love Henley. Yeah. So do I. Anytime I love Henley, I'm really scared, but yes, he rates out really well. And all the statistics I'm looking at as well, really a quality player. He spent his summer basically playing the majors and the Wells Fargo. So we, he's kind of under the radar in the sense that we haven't seen a lot of him. And in the back of my mind, if you remember at the beginning of the year, I was very strongly suggesting that I thought, Russell Henley would win a golf tournament this year. Well, it's kind of put up or shut up time. And this should be a really good golf course for him. You know, we talk about Grayson Sig being almost automatic with the ball striking. Russell Henley is, you know, much the same. Mm -hmm. And if he can find a hot week on the greens, like uh, Cam Davis did last year, there's certainly a lot of reasons to like him. Uh, You mentioned also the course history, Kisner, Kirk, some of the other guys, I'll, I'll take you through the just the top 20 in strokes gain total here over the three years that we've had this event. Kisner is first. Cameron Tringali is second. Lashley third. Spawn fourth. Troy Merritt. Sepp Straka, who's struggling with his game right now, but has played well here in the past. Doc Redman has a second. Brian Stewart was fifth in his first edition, has another made cut. McNeely, there's Kirk. Brandon Haggy, who has a sixth-place finish here. Mac Hughes, Ricky Fowler, Roger Sloan, Keegan Bradley, Henrik Norlander, Ryan Armour, Cam Davis, who interestingly missed two cuts before coming through with a win at this golf course. So he's been here all three years and finally figured it out last year. He said it when somebody asked him why that was, that he just kind of figured out that you had to be in the fairway here. And even though the golf course appears wide open, um, you can't be spending too much time off the fairway when you need to make birdies. So I think he kind of dialed it back a little bit last year, and that was instrumental in his success. Guys who have gone three for three in made cuts here, you talked about that. It's a very short list. It's Kevin Kisner, it's Cameron Tringali, J.J. Spawn, Ricky Fowler, Adam Shank, and Scott Stallings. I'm sure none of you will be surprised to hear this. I have bet. Adam Shank. So big friggin' surprise. Keep waiting for this guy to do it. I think he's got a chance this week. No real high finishes here. Um, but at 200 to one, why not? Why not? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a short list of guys who have, who have made all three cuts. I do think it's, you know, highly variable in the sense that you have to make a lot of birdies, so you have to be going well with your putter um, just to get through to the weekend here, which, you know, you're not going to do every year necessarily. And then you look at a guy like, you know, Cam Davis, two missed cuts, then a win. Nate Lashley, the opposite, the other side of that coin, a win and then two missed cuts. So I don't know how much you really want to rely on course history in, in – 
in, you know, trying to guess at who's going to ultimately emerge victorious here, but certainly Kisner deserves some attention because in addition to the history, he's in good form. Um, he's a guy we bet at the open championship. Um, we bet before that, I think it was the travelers uh, where he played well. So he's 35 to one, which feels short, but certainly a, a player of, you know, with plenty enough quality to get it done in a, in a field like this, where it's a little, a little sparse at the top. I will, I want to ask you this though. We just talked about at the top overcomplicating things. I know we've had two out of 300 to one plus winners at the rocket mortgage, but we're coming off the three M open where the betting favorite did prevail of those guys under 30 to one that I mentioned, Cantley, Zalatoris, Finau, Homa, Young, McNeely, and Scott. Would you wager anything on any of those? And if so, who would be your favorite? Um, I think it would, it wouldn't be Cantley, I don't think. I think it would have to be. Man, I don't know. I really like Zalatoris. Do you? I just think the driver and wedges, I don't know that these greens are quite fast enough. They're like a bent POA mix. They're not slow, and there's plenty of slope. The greens are absolutely the defense here because they're, they're those old Donald Ross greens with lots of like the 18th green, for example, sloped severely back left to front right. There's a creek over on the right side of that hole. Um, you're going to have to make some – breaking putts from in close on this golf course, as well as focus on keeping it below the hole. So I do worry about the volatility of Zalatoris with the putter, which is certainly not a concern with Cantlay, who pretty much puts it, you know, lights out all the time, but I do like Zalatoris and I would not be afraid to go. I don't know that Tony Fino is going to win two events in a row, but he seems to be going pretty well right now, and this is another course that feels like a good Tony Finau course in the sense that he's going to be able to use his driver a lot. He'll be in the fairway a lot, and he'll, he creates a lot of opportunities for himself. He'll have a lot of good looks. He looked good over his putter, I thought, at the 3M Open, probably better than he normally does. And if he can carry that over to the rocket, there's no reason to think that he won't play well. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, he's his form's been awesome for as bad as it was beginning of the year. It's, it's turned into something pretty good now. So yeah, I, a little sluggish at the Open Championship before a good Sunday, but um, yeah, in a field like this, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind Zalatoris. I don't know if you can get a good top ten number or something like that on him, but the rest of these guys, I can kind of. It won't surprise me if Patrick Cantlay just, you know, comes in, plays well, and wins by three or four or whatever, but it's hard to know what his motivation is going to be, you know, exactly why he's here, and the form hasn't been has been good. He played well at the Open Championship as well, but maybe not quite as sharp as you'd want uh, for an eight-to-one favorite. You know, I mean, Patrick Cantlay at eight-to-one is – even for a Cantley truther like myself, is kind of a tall, tall order. Yeah. Uh, what about what about Danny McCarthy? Yeah, he's he's in my 
You know, at the bottom of my bets here, which I'll get to in a second, I have him in the, the considering category. That 35 to 60-ish range is really where I like a lot of players. You've got, like, for example, Riley and Thigala, who we talked about last week, coming off of missed cuts. Their numbers have dropped. But they're, you know, like, certainly lots of reasons to continue to like them this week. And does this set up for a good bounce back for one of those two players? Maybe. And then I have Cam Davis. Is he going to repeat the 35 to one? I don't know, but that Denny Kisner cam are all at 35. I like them all. Uh, Thiago and Riley in the 40 range. Same with Tringali. Who's been playing great golf threatened at the Scottish open before backing up on Sunday has played really well at this tournament before he's one of those few guys with three for three and then Henley at 55. So all guys I'm, I'm, I'm considering, and you can even throw Troy Merritt in there who I think is 65, but I will certainly be wagering on Chris Kirk um, and Russell Henley to top 20. I may add Kisner and Merritt in there as well. Cause I think those are, those are the, uh, you know, not the sure things, but the guys who grade out the best in all of the cat cumulatively across all the categories I care about the most who have decent, uh, who present decent value in terms of their numbers. So an- I'll give you one more name. I don't know if he's not going to win it, I don't think, uh, but I love him to top 20 or maybe even top 40 is Callum Tarum. He is sitting right on the outside right now. This worked last week. It's going to work again this week. He's sitting at 126 right now. Only two events left until the uh, until the old playoffs get started. So he's one of those guys that I see that needs to kick it into gear. Uh, yeah, and a, and a bomber. So I think I, I think there's good reason to like him as well, and he played well at the 3M. And he shot eight under on Friday, I think, which was one of the lower rounds of the day. You think uh, you think Nick Hardy can get because he's sitting there at 138. He needs to get a little move on as well. Yeah, I was disappointed he didn't play better last week. I thought he would play better. I think he did make the cut. Um, you know, played fine. It's kind of in the, kind of like got her up. Um, but their games, both Goderup and Hardy's game should set up well here. I mean, I like Nick Hardy pretty much every week. I just thought it would be one of the past couple weeks, and he hasn't quite come through. So I don't know if we're maybe just overstating how ready he is uh, to compete on the PGA Tour. But he certainly has the the game type to be able to go ahead, freely hit driver, which he controls really well and try to make a lot of birdies. He's a good putter. So a driver and a putter, a driver and a wedge can go a long way this week. I mean, we've had Bryson and, and uh, Cam Davis as two of the three winners here. So fitting that profile is, he certainly does that. I Homer bet Stewart and Brim because I love a great story and they're giving up 500 to ones on Ryan Brim. He played pretty well last week at the three M open. He should have some good kind of mojo. Hopefully he'll have some some family around following him this week. So I, I could see I could see Ryan Brem having a good week. He might be also be a good option for like a top 40 bet. I'm sure you can get some really good numbers there. And Stewart in his first try here tied for fifth. I think it was tied tie fourth, fifth, sixth, something like that. So 
this is one of the courses on tour that he can contend. He's from Jackson. I mean, that's probably 40 minutes or so from here. So uh, I mentioned Shank at 200. I mentioned Sig at 100. And the other guys I like, they're giving out a if you like Henry, you like Kirk, you like Kisner, and you're on that bulldog kind of train and you like the steady eddies, Harris English is 130 to 1. His, um, his numbers have been so high ever since his he's come back his from injury, injury. His injury. And now you get into a field where there's less quality and it should be a better fit uh, for him. His ball striking numbers have not been great but he's getting back into the flow of, you know, like if his ball striking numbers were good, he would not be 130 to one. He would be 30 to one. So I think that's, you know, that's worth a look. I like Brandon Wu at 150 to one. Another guy that played great at the Scottish, got his way into the open championship. Very good with his driver can make a lot of birdies. Um, You know, we saw Redmond get a second here. He's, he's a, heavy driver wedge kind of a player. So I like Brandon Wu at 150 and Kirk Kitayama. If they're going to keep hanging hundred of ones on this guy, I'm going to keep buying in. Um, I don't know if this is a perfect fit for him, but he is of a much higher quality player than a hundred to one number. So I am in on Kirk Kitayama, who also played really well at the Scottish played fine at the open championship. This guy's got a lot of professional experience um, he's really in good form right now. I think hundred to one is, you know, how much different is he from Davis Riley and Sahith Gala? I don't know, but I, you know, at hundred to one, twice the number I'll be in. So you can see, I, I've spread some bullets around in terms of long shots, taking into consideration the hundred to one pluses can win here. And then I'm also going to end up on one or two of that group of Denny, Kisner, Tringali, probably going to end up betting Russell Henley, both to outright and to and to top twenty. He's fifty-five to one on DraftKings Sportsbook. I don't think there's a a player in the P, on the PJ Tour that's lower on the Fax Cup rankings, but higher on an odds board than Kitayama, week in and week out. There's just they don't. I don't think they even know who he is. And on the Jeez, when I saw him at a hundred, I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, okay. he's 42nd on the FedEx Cup list right now. Guy is a really good player. Yeah. So, that'd be awesome, huh? To hit another triple digit. They, you'll have a chance at a triple digit. There will be some some unfamiliar names near the top again this week at the Rocket, and probably one of those, one of Cantley, Zalatoris, and Finau, too, will also be in contention on Sunday, so... Enjoy Michigan's only PGA Tour event. We'll get you full resorts, results on all the other Michigan events going on, Michigan Amateur and, and Professional Tournament of Champions events going on in the state when we're back next Tuesday. All right. See you guys.